for um, quite some time now, but especially with the onset of the, the pandemic, I was going through these prayer exercises. And one of the things they suggested is uh, you journal every day and ask the question, where have you seen God's love today? Or where have you seen joy? Where have you seen peace? And it kind of got me in the habit of starting to look, where, where has Christ been today? And I trust that God is with us 24 hours, seven days a week. And how often do we notice that, that presence? <clears throat> and while Roe and I were um, hiking on the trail, I was just continuing that, just trying to notice that which is divine in each day. So I would encourage you um, to do that as, as part of one of your practices. And, and, just, and it's also interesting when you take these stories in, in Scripture, we call it the living word. So it's, it's a story from long ago, but it's also a story that we're living today as well. And you can see these stories unfolding, and it's always amazing to, to notice that. <clears throat> and I don't have any official uh, empirical data, but guess what story I think is the most frequently lived out in Scripture, just in my limited <laughs> observations? The well, the Good Samaritan? That's what I'm going to use today. <laughs> yeah. The prodigal son. I just see that in our own family and other families. It's just continually happens where we're, and at different times in our life, we're all the different characters in these stories. So today, I'm uh, going to read uh, the story of the, of the Good Samaritan. And this is in Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25 here. And kind of think about if you've ever encountered this story or encountered a Good Samaritan, and maybe you've been that Good Samaritan, maybe you've been the recipient of that kindness or that, that mercy. And where have you seen this play out? In your own life here. So just then a lawyer stood up <clears throat> to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to in inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. A good, good commandment. Just love our neighbor, love God, and we will truly live life. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And we're so, these words are just so familiar to all of us. And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, <clears throat> beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds and having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you have spent. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. And these are the words of God for uh, each and every one of us here today. Amen. 
So when have you encountered the, the Good Samaritan? Or someone has an extended hand, and I would use Good Samaritan, an angel, or even the living Christ. And you were just surprised, and you kind of kept shaking your head. and go, I was not expecting this from this person or this group. And this kindness was extended to you, and you had to reevaluate your understanding of who our neighbor is. Let's just take a few moments to pray and to reflect on that. Let us pray. Well, uh, when Ro and I, we were hiking, we had so many, I called them trail angels and just good people that we met along the way. And I'm always amazed. I'm always surprised because it's always, for me at least, it seems like the, the people I least expect to help <laughs> and extend that, that grace and kindness are, are the ones that always seem to do that. And we had just stopped in, in Gunnison and we had stayed with uh, Sylvia's son, Alex. And so we had three large meals under our, our, that we had eaten that night and we had a hot shower and, and we slept in a, a dry bed that, the previous night. And so we went back to the Colorado Trail and we were walking in a, a really comfortable light rain. And we were on this very really long section of trail. I think it was about the only flat section for over 500 miles. And so we were making pretty good time. And uh, Ro accused me of trying to punish him because I guess he had a, a little too good of a time with Alex the previous night. <laughs> <laughs> so we were moving along the trail and it was also a dry, a dry section, not much water on this particular part. And we're going through the forest. And after several miles, it just opened up into this beautiful, beautiful valley with the, these low-lying mountains on, on either side. And, and it was also the trail was moving alongside this, this ranch that just went on for mile after mile after mile. And so we were hoping to fill our water bottles, we were looking at our guidebook, at a place called Archuleta Creek. And when we got there, and you're all excited, we had about six or seven ounces of water left, and it was just a mud bath. Just all mud and this mucky water. So we said, oh, we can make it maybe a, a couple more miles. So we went on by and we went to this place. On, <clears throat> it was Los Creek and that turned out to be no creek. <laughs> and it was just dry. It's like, what are we going to do out here? And we're walking along beside this enormous ranch and we knew the cattle had to drink water somewhere. So we were looking for a source of water. And then the, the trail, after a few more miles, it joined a Forest Service road. And we're walking along this road, along this beautiful ranch. And it was really easy walking, but we were also running out of water very quickly. And the next water source turned out to be a, just this patch of green muck with all this algae and stuff. And so we can't really even treat that. So we continued on. And we're thinking we're going to have a long night, we're going to be dehydrated, and you just can't hardly swallow because you're so thirsty and everything. And so we're going to have to have a dry camp tonight. And we can't cook our meal, which required more water to cook the, the freeze-dried meals. And then we were saying, yeah, we're going to have to conserve some water, but we'll probably be all right. And, and nothing was worse on the trail, though, than when you're running low on water or when you're completely out and you're all dried out, and you're thirsty, and there's absolutely nothing you can do, and you just have to keep plugging along. And then we moved on up this Forest Service road, and we're along this ranch here, and a beat-up, I didn't expect to see anybody, a beat-up old white Ford truck passed us by. And it was kicking up this dust into our faces, and it stopped about 50 yards past us. 
my antenna immediately went up. I go, why in the world is this truck stopping? And I could see this old cowboy, and he had an unlit cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> and he was looking in his side view mirror, looking at us, and I go, oh gosh, this guy is up to no good, and I can pretty well guarantee you he's packing, and why, is, why has he stopped? And I go, I wonder what he wants. And he goes, I don't know. So Ro and I, we, it's just a short road, or narrow road rather, and so we ambled over to the other side of the road to avoid passing directly by him. And he was just an old cowboy. And as we strolled past his truck, he's sitting in the cab there and he says, he's real gruffy. He goes, what are y'all doing? And I said, walking. <laughs> and he said, why are you walking? Why are you walking? And I said, we're just walking. I didn't want to get into this discussion about the spirituality of walking with the old cowboy and everything. And so, but we stopped and he kept asking us all these questions. He said, where are you walking to? And I said, oh, we're walking home. And he goes, well, where is that? And I said, well, it's about 150, 160 miles west of here. I said, we live in a little town called Mancus. And he goes, huh. He goes, that's a long way. He goes, why are you walking? <laughs> why are you walking? And we moved a little closer to his cab, but we were still out of his reach. I was, I was still leery. And this wrinkled cowboy, he had a, a stained straw cowboy hat on the dashboard. And I was also fascinated, he had a carton of marbles on that dash with that unlit cigarette. I go, he doesn't just have a little, uh, not a carton, but a whole case of them, you know. I, go, I can't believe that. And you could just tell he was just feeding himself all day long there. And he said, y'all need anything? And I said, nope, we're fine. He goes, you sure? He goes, y'all need anything? He goes, how about some granola bars or, or uh, you know, some candy bars? He goes, I just went into town and got all these supplies. And I said, nope, we're good. He goes, how about some pancake mix or some bacon? And I go, we're not going to carry a skillet, <laughs> a cast iron skillet in, in our, our packs here. And I said, no, we're fine. I said, we don't have any way to cook it. He goes, oh. And I could tell he was very disappointed. He just kept asking us about all these different things. Wanting to know, do you need this? Do you need this? And we kept saying no. And finally he goes, and he also during the course of this conversation, he moved a cigarette from one side of his mouth to the other. And how he could just talk so easily <laughs> with that cigarette in his mouth. And he said, how about some water? He goes, how about some water? And Ro and I looked at each other like, are you kidding me? And we said, yeah, we could really use some water. And he jumped out of that cab and hobbled out of it more, I should say. And he went to the back of his bed and it was just full. His, the bed of his truck was just full of everything you could imagine. He was tossing things around in the truck bed looking for this water. And he had his back to me. And I noticed he had a full case of, of Coors Light there. And... And he had offered us everything. And then, so I jokingly asked him, I said, can we have that case of beer? <laughs> and his back is to me and he didn't say anything. He just pushed it away from me. <laughs> and I said, well, I guess that's a uh, no. <laughs> so he's going through the back of this truck. And then he comes out and he had a case of bottled water. And he was smiling for the very first time. He goes, here it is. 
He goes, I knew I had it in here somewhere. And he goes, help yourself to as much as you want. And we were pretty well dry, so we filled up a 32-ounce bottle or 48-ounce bottle. So we went from a dire situation to having all the water that we needed. Well, this grumpy old cowboy from Oklahoma City, I called him an angel in disguise from heaven. <laughs> and Rowan, we could not believe our good luck, our good fortune. And that night, we enjoyed a hot meal with required so much water uh, to cook it. And we were fully hydrated and we even had water for the next portion of the hike. <clears throat> and he was a good Samaritan. And I was completely surprised by his actions. And I always wonder, <clears throat> how often, how often do we fail to see the living Christ or angels or good Samaritans because we think they should look or act a certain way? And can angels and, and good Samaritans smoke marbles and drink Coors Light? It's a good question. How often do we fail to see that presence? When the angel appears to Zechariah, he is terrified <clears throat> and fear overwhelmed him. And then the angel tells Mary, do not be afraid. And somehow they're able to trust or surrender and they experience God's grace and God's goodness. And they're able to let that fear go or they're able to, to work with it. But because of that very same fear, the priest and the Levite, pass by on the other side of the road. And they fail to stop and help a wounded man in need. In Richard Rohr, he writes, the priest and the Levite are not necessarily bad people. They're just trying to maintain ritual purity so that they could enter into the temple. And this is part of the point of the story, that love is more important than ritual purity. Love is more important. And when Roe and I met this marble smoking, Coors Light drinking Good Samaritan, <laughs> we too tried to pass by on the other side of the road. <clears throat> but he wouldn't let us go by. Fear can prevent us from experiencing the grace and the mercy of God. And fear can prevent us from loving another human being. And we have to ask ourselves constantly, are we rooted in love? Or are we rooted in fear? And we usually move back and forth between them. But the hope is that we could be more and more rooted in that grace and that kindness. <clears throat> and I don't remember the name of that old cowboy from Oklahoma City who gave us some water to drink. But I will never forget him in the compassion that he showed us. He was a good neighbor, a very good neighbor. And may we go and do likewise. Amen.